Welcome to Flipping the Script, a podcast for women of color by women of color, helping you to not just navigate your way through change, but to embrace it. I am your host, Michelle Words. Today we have Franda Graves. Franda found her voice and her calling after moving to the Middle East 15 years ago. Since then, Franda has pivoted a couple of times as she discovers who she is and who she wants to be. Franda shares with us tips that she uses in coaching her clients as they overcome obstacles to achieve their goals. Let's get to it. I am not where you want to be Trying to navigate life but it's hard to see yeah. I am struggling to make a change We're coming to me now is the perfect chance With flipping the scripts so you'll find your way To help you embrace any trials you face With flipping the script conquer every As a personal empowerment facilitation coach, Franda Graves works with clients focusing on achieving goals and overcoming obstacles, real or perceived. By using motivational principles, excellent communication skills, active and reflective listening, and compassionate empathy, Franda partners with her clients to create a new perception of their current reality. In her coaching practice, journey with Franda, she serves clients from all over the world, both in an area of personal empowerment, as well as a certified recovery coach, focusing on all aspects of recovery, both substance and behavioral addictions. Franda is also a coach trainer at Coach Transformation Academy in Dubai, UAE. Franda worked as a cardiopulmonary specialist for several years before becoming a full-time coach. Most recently, before moving to Dubai and changing her career, she worked in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia for 13 years. Franda gained her bachelor's degree in respiratory therapy from Siena Heights University in Adrian, Michigan. She is also a graduate of the Coach Transformation Academy. Franda also loves to travel and creating wonderfully unique travel experiences. She does this through Journey with Franda Travel Consultants, which was founded in 2016. Though she has traveled all over the world, she specializes in journeys to the Middle East, North Africa, and all of Asia. Franda, welcome to Flipping the Script. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I loved hearing that. So, Franda, I like to start by telling my guests how we have met. So we met through social media. I don't even know which group we were in. I don't either. It may have been, I think you joined my group, but I'm not really sure how that. Yeah, I'm not sure which group, but we met through social media. And then Franda came to visit when I was living in Qatar. Yes, that was a wonderful visit, too. That was very nice. Yeah. And that was our that was our first time meeting. And at that time, I had no plans at all to move to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> and then Franda moved out of Saudi. Were you here a month even, Franda, after I moved to Saudi? It was just about one month before I moved away. Yeah. 
as soon as I got here, she left <laughs> to Dubai. Well, we had exactly. enough time to have one uh, dinner. Long enough for me to say <laughs> goodbye, basically. <laughs> yeah. But I've seen you since you've moved to Dubai also. So, you know, once you create a friendship, then the distance doesn't even matter. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. I probably will end up back there visiting sometime soon. I like Dubai. Good. Yeah. Good. You know, since we've had the the quarantines and all of those restrictions and everything, I've been taking my time to really enjoy exploring Saudi. So that's been pretty nice also. But I am looking forward to to getting back out there again. That was so funny when you say that. I lived there for 13 years and really did not see a whole lot of Saudi Arabia. And I love hearing when people are traveling and, and, and going around the country and going to Bedin Salad and all of that, because um, I missed that when I was there. I never even went out to the desert area. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's one thing I'm trying to not do this time, because I know it happens no matter where we live, you kind of get caught up in your life and things like that and don't really get to enjoy the area. So I know that when I leave Saudi, it's not likely that I'll return. <laughs> So I'm trying to get it all in. (laughs) I completely understand. I say the same thing. (laughs) And it actually has been really enjoyable. I've seen some really beautiful parts and looking forward to seeing some other parts before I leave for sure. So Franda, then you lived here for 13 years Mm. as a respiratory therapist. I did. Yeah. What made you... Yeah, as a respiratory. What therapist. made you make the transition? Then first, you know, you're doing like me. When you make a move, you make it big. You leave your career and you leave into another country. So, what made you do all of that? <laughs> well, you know, I was living in North Carolina. I had, you know, that's my home. That's where my home is. And I had heard about, you know people working and moving to Saudi to work in in respiratory therapy or in nursing and it being fairly lucrative for them to be able to do that. But it's, it was very much, you know, one of those things I heard about, not necessarily really thought I would do, especially since I had not um, been on a plane before, um, which was kind of a prerequisite to getting to Saudi Arabia. And, um, but as time went on, I just started to really look at a few things in life that I felt I wanted to not let be the end in some ways, as far as just being here in that one place and staying in that one place and maybe just taking the chance and applying and actually just seeing what happens, just apply and see what happens. And I did that. And when I did, uh, the next thing you know, I was on an interview process and Then I had to share with my family, my mom was living at that time, um, and my sons to say, you know, I'm thinking of going to Saudi Arabia. And I had no idea what their response would be, but it was, oh, okay. So yeah, so that's kind of how the journey began was to kind of out of curiosity. And as you know, going to somewhere like Saudi, especially at the time that I went when it was still a close country, can be very isolating. So I had to think through all of that. And I don't know that I thought it through completely. 
before I arrived there, but it was definitely one of the most rewarding experiences that I've had. Well, you know what? And that's actually good because people overthink things sometimes and talk themselves out of doing things. And had you done that, you wouldn't have had that experience. I agree with you there. Yes. Yeah. So that's good. Okay. So um, how, how did you find your life here in Saudi then? Um, especially since, like you said, you were here long before I was, and it was a different Saudi when you were here versus now with me being here. So how did you find the adjustment and, you know, your day-to-day life? Well, I will say it did take me a while to adjust, especially being from the South. You know, we speak to everyone and we hug most everyone. And that was definitely not really allowed when I was in Saudi. And just the fact of the different cultures that were there. When people think of Saudi Arabia, they think that it's only Saudis there and whatever. But you have to understand that there are people there from all over the world. And learning that everyone doesn't do everything the same was quite an experience for me, even what our value systems were different, what we consider respect in many ways was different. Of course, the language was different, cultures different, religions different. So there was not a whole lot of similarities for me when I got there, but as I was there over that long period of time, it became probably more familiar to me than even being at home. And just the fact that, yes, it was very isolated, but in isolation, you learn a lot about yourself. Because during the time I was there, women could not drive. And I I don't know whether you have your license there yet, but that time women could not drive and you had to wear the abaya all the time. And there were certain, it was a lot more strict at that time. And so seeing how it has changed. It is. It's very, it's, it's good to watch. It's good to see. It is a very exciting time for me to live here now, to, to live here and see firsthand all of the transition going on. It's pretty amazing. And, you know, unfortunately, COVID slowed it down some mm. because, I mean, they were going full speed ahead. But yeah, it is. It is very exciting. And I'll say, you know, to the audience, if Frenda can move to Saudi 15 years ago, because, you know, you've been out of Saudi a couple of years now, from the United States, never having, you know, this exposure, really anybody can, during that time, because it was probably the most opposite of a lifestyle that anyone could ever experience, probably anywhere else in the world. That is absolutely true. (laughs) So for people that are afraid to, yeah, for people that are afraid of living abroad, You know, here is an example of somebody that was able to not only survive, but to thrive in, you know, a completely different environment than what she's used to. So definitely kudos to you for that, Franda, (laughs) for sure. Thank you so much. So then finally, what made you decide to leave Saudi? I think it was, you know, we have a time, there's a time and a space for everything, And sometimes you will grow in a particular area. And I think it was just time for me to expand more on the growth that I had when I was in Saudi. I really, truly was introduced to myself while I was there. And Mm -hmm. 
I liked the friend that I became. And I felt that she was a, maybe a safer friend to be able to be in a place like Dubai than the person that arrived in Saudi Arabia that didn't really know herself and didn't even understand her own values and her own morals and her own norms. And maybe even in Saudi created new ones based on just learning me. So being able to, to, to take that growth and use that growth Ah, and now to live in Dubai. I like that. I know that I brought my best self here. Okay, so then what about changing careers though? What what what's the impetus of that? Well, you know, I Riyadh or being in Riyadh was the ending of my healthcare career for me. Another part of leaving Saudi Arabia or leaving the healthcare as a whole, I lost the passion. And I am a strong believer that if you're doing something, you should, you should have passion for it. And, if, and once that passion goes, you're not serving anymore. For me, the passion of the day-to-day existence in healthcare at that time, I had just lost the passion. But keep in mind, it wasn't just a 15-year journey or whatever in respiratory therapists. If I were to count now, I would have been a respiratory therapist almost 35 years. <laughs> so it wasn't a new thing for me, but it was time in the process of finding myself, I found that that was no longer what served me. And therefore, I was not serving others in the capacity or in the best capacity that I thought that I could. So it was time to move on and do something different. And I had already started to travel by that time as well. Yes, that's true. That's true. So you had you had already started your travel business, which then you continued when you moved to UAE. So you, when you left being a respiratory therapist, you were a full-time entrepreneur then yes, at that point, right? Yes, a full-time hungry entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> And without a business background, so that in and of itself was quite a challenge, but one that I readily accepted because it was a challenge for me to do for me. The one thing about being hungry is that you will learn how to cook, <laughs> you will learn how to survive. And came here and did not all did not make the right choices when I first got here as far as some financial decisions that I made. But even in the process of that, it was still a learning experience. And I've made much better choices now than Yeah, it's always a learning oh, yeah. experience. It was definitely sure. a learning Yeah. Even when you take those hard knocks. Yeah. Some are some are lessons that are hard to learn. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but some we don't need to but repeat. <laughs> Right. <laughs> learn that the first time mm-hmm. and hopefully learn from somebody else's mistakes. But, you know, we have to make our own exactly. as well. So now I'm curious then as an entrepreneur in UAE, I know it's it's difficult to be an entrepreneur no matter where you are. It's, you know, in your home country, it's difficult. So what made you decide that that was the route you wanted to take in UAE? Well, the interesting thing was the first Actual, because the the travel I could have done from anywhere. If I were to be perfectly honest, if I were only doing the travel, then I would be living in Cairo now because that's just really a place that I, it has my heart. And I love that. I love the city. I love the country of Egypt. But that said, I also had the opportunity before I left Saudi Arabia to start actually coaching and doing and taking coach training. And in the process of that, I met a wonderful entrepreneur himself 
that was running this coach training program that I'm a part of now. And I really just wanted to, I wanted to learn from him. I saw him as a master as far as coaching and teaching and training and communicating. And I wanted to learn. I, I wanted to be a sponge. And at that time, I was financially able to be able to come here and still, you know, start a business, work with work on business, but also to be able to be there and learn, learn about coaching, learn about coach training and all of the ins and outs of it. So I was very, very fortunate in that to have met, to have met Harris, his name is Harris, and to have met him and had the opportunity to come and really just be mentored um, by him while still being able to do my other stuff as well as eventually starting to work with him and partner with him as a coach trainer. Okay, perfect. So now tell us more about the type of training that you facilitate, because I see that you you use the word facilitation with working with your clients. So what is your technique? Mm, very good question. When I'm coaching, I I really truly see the person in front of me as creative, resourceful, as a whole. Everything they have, everything they need is right there. But sometimes we need, we need that little push of empowerment to know I have power, to know that it's in me, to know that I don't need anything outside of me to reach the goals that I want to reach, to, to reach the aspirations that I have for myself, to turn my dreams into reality. And so what I do is I really explore those dreams and explore those aspirations. And as we explore, we create a personal awareness, not awareness for me, but awareness for the other person that they can do it. And they've dreamed it for a whole lot longer than they realized. And being able to see that and then attach yourself emotionally to it that's when the action takes place. That's when, that's when your coach starts smiling because they see you lighten up. They see you move toward a person that you didn't even realize that was in you. And that for me is, that's full empowerment. That is full empowerment. So I facilitate that empowerment. And I'm also a recovery coach as well. So that's the other side of the coaching that I do. Yes. So can you tell us though more about as you facilitate for someone to, to reach that level of empowerment, I guess I'm asking for like a tip or two that you would give the audience listening on how they can make take one step closer to getting to that level of empowerment to be able to go in the direction that they want to in reaching their goals. You know, Michelle, the interesting thing, that first step, is a step that we all do, but we all tend to ignore. And that is just listening to ourselves. Taking that time, just going into silence. And it's interesting to hear a coach say, go into silence, because no, most coaches want you to talk. And I do. But I want, I, I want my clients to reflect first. 
So it's not just words and, and, and cause we, we talk about our dreams a lot, but we put them into this very logical, rational set subset of words and thoughts without action. So what I want to empower people to do and facilitate my clients to doing is taking those words and sitting with them. First, find which words mean the most to them, which words empower them the most, and then sit with those words for a little while. Let them become the reality. So if I say I want to be successful, that's a very big thing, successful. What is that? So we break it down. We break it down to what successful means to you. Mm-hmm. And then when you figure out what successful means to you, now you have your own words. You don't need mine anymore. You don't need or that, that. anybody else. Or anyone else's, right. You have your own words. And when you have your own words... There's a, there's a very a neurological connection that happens when you connect your emotions, your words, your thoughts, your mind and body, are, they, they all work together. So when we put all of that together and now we move toward action, we get the mind believing what we, what we have going and what we want to believe and what we want to happen. Now we move toward action. And where I come in even stronger at that point is a lot of times when we start moving toward action, what happens? We start to get demotivated. Things don't go the way we think they're supposed to. People don't do what we want them to do. So we become a little demotivated. So I'm there right at that point of that demotivation to say, come on, Mm, we can do this or you can do this. (laughs) You got it. You can do it. Right. Good. But then saying those words mean nothing without action. So it's not just you can do it and then here's your little motivational speech. No. What's another step that you need to take now to move you toward where you want to be? And it can't that step cannot be the dream. It's got to be something you can actually do. Right. So that's the type of facilitation that I do. Okay. And you know, it's interesting that you said when you moved to Saudi how you were isolated and you were allowed to find yourself. So I think that that's part Mm -hmm. of, it can be part of people's journey as well, is to get away from other people's expectations. You know, it's some of the things that I've been saying before in this podcast. You know, if it takes you to physically get away, if it's not to another country, to another area, where you're separated from those other influences so that you can have the time to listen to your inner self. Absolutely. So for you, yeah. is that what Saudi pretty much did for you? I think what happens, one thing that we say in recovery is that um, sometimes you have to get away from your people, places, and things. And maybe getting away, moving away, it allows you space that you may, that you feel, not necessarily that other people feel for you, actually. You allow other people to fill certain spaces or certain spaces of time so that you don't have to face yourself sometimes. If I have a, a, a mate or a, even a child or a parent that I'm taking care of or whatever, all of those things 
whether they're good for me or bad for me, whichever way it goes, but all of those things still take me away in some way from myself, from concentrating on myself. Mm -hmm. So there's things I may want to, may have wanted to change about myself before I moved to Saudi, but there was always a reason that I just didn't have time. Right. Or it's just not important right now. Or maybe I'm just dreaming anyway. Let me go about my routine my daily routine, and that's a safe place for me. So I'll, I'll stay there and do that. Right. Well, going to Saudi, there was no daily. There was no daily routine. Well, there was a daily routine in that I was going to work, but the other stuff was gone. For someone to call you, it was going to be a very long distance call. It was a close country at the time, so nobody's going to just stop by. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and even with the time difference, even that gave you even more isolation in a lot of ways. But I learned about what it meant, the difference between being lonely and being alone. And I was able to really understand that lonely, yeah, okay, that's that's the state of mind. Alone, that's bigger. Right. And I'm not alone. And I'm never alone. I have me. Right. I'm not alone. Yeah, that's very true. You know, so you moved away from the United States and so did I. But that's one of the reasons too. And I know that you do group travel, but I encourage people to also do solo travel because then that is just a little space and time to be able to take that time to reflect for yourself as well. So if you can't do anything as far as making a big move, then go on a solo trip. Because that then will give you time to focus on yourself as well. Because people just need that time to get away. You know, the funny, it's funny you mentioned that when I moved to Saudi, the first trip I took, everybody at that point was really, it was funny because everybody was either going to Bahrain or coming here to Dubai. And I went to an ashram in India. So that was another way of really connecting with myself because again, I knew no one there at all. Um, and I went to the ashram kind of with the, like the eat, pray, love movie. <laughs> but so I went, I went to the ashram mm -hmm. and I felt sometimes I was like Elizabeth Gilbert there during the meditation and the chanting. And I'm like, what are they saying? And where is it in this book? But I learned over time while I was there, I didn't want to leave, to be honest. I, I did not want to leave. And it was the most sparse of sparse way of living, you know, a mattress, a bed with a roll up mattress and geckos on the ceiling and bugs coming in and no screen on the window and doing a seva. And my seva was cleaning the temple. And of course I took issue with that initially. I was like, there's got to be a better job for me. Okay. But, but my nails, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But in the process, <laughs> I, I, I learned over after about the third day that I couldn't wait to get in there and do it. It became a different, there was a, and I guess that's what they saw when I got there, when they, that was the, my seven, the job that they gave me to do. Yeah. And it was at 1030 at night when, when you did this and I couldn't wait for 1030 to come. And I realized that sometimes giving back it's not always defined by monetary things or um, sometimes it's just defined by serving 
wherever you can serve Mm -hmm. and not being picky about it. So I learned not to be picky while I was there. Wow. Was it one of those silent ones or? Yes, I did the vow of silence as well. For how long? I was silent for seven days and I was there for 14. Wow. Okay. No, that was never on really my bucket list. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, when I, when I see the movie Eat, Pray, Love, I'm all for the eat and I'm all for the love. <laughs> well, so far I've done the eat. I went to Italy and I, I did the eat part and then I went to the ashram and I did the pray part and I have, have yet to go to Bali to do the love part. So love we'll see part. how that goes. <laughs> see, I went to Bali and I didn't have the love part there. I did do the eat <laughs> part in Italy. <laughs> That I did do. <laughs> but, you know, it was because of that movie that I went to the, it was literally because of that movie that I went to the, that I went to the ashram right after the movie. I looked it up. I Googled ashrams in India. <laughs> Can't believe I did that. Uh, no one knew where I was when I went. Even no one in Saudi knew where I was. No one in the U.S. knew where I was. I literally got on a plane and I went there and told no one that's where I was going. It was probably not my best decision because once I got there, I found out I would not have phone service. But it was probably one of the most cleansing experiences of my life, really. Okay. All right. I might I might put it on the list at some point, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so now speak of travel. Mm-hmm. Tell me some more about your travel groups and what you do with those. Well, basically what we do, it's very curated travel. Even if it is groups, it's still very curated. And I try to make it very unique, which is why I really only, for the most part, look at Middle East, North Africa, meaning, you know, here in Dubai, of course, I live here, which was interesting that only one group have I had come over now, of course, with COVID, that kind of changed things. But since I moved here, so before, even when I was bringing people to Dubai, I was a visitor to Dubai as well at that time. But that's when I learned a lot about Dubai. And also, even in Egypt, it's kind of the same thing we do. Uh, we go into the villages. We, we just do things to learn about the culture. It's not all about looking at the big buildings, and we, we do the, we go into the homes and, and we learn just about everything. Even in India, I took a group to India and we did, we stayed at a home. We did a homestay, done the same thing in, in Thailand. And I think that is what makes some types of travel very unique when you move away from the tourist areas. Mm-hmm. And you really find out and kind of like what you were saying about solo travel. I'm very much on, it does not stop me at all to get on a plane and decide I want to go somewhere all by myself. I love to do that. I love to go to new cities and get lost. I walked for three and a half hours in Amsterdam one night, even though I didn't realize it was nothing but a circle I was walking (laughs) in. (laughs) But I love to do that. But I also love to have people experience travel that maybe haven't done it before. My first trip, when I brought uh, my first group over, which was 34 women over the age of 45, the oldest person in that group was 77 years old. Mm. A couple of people in that group never had a passport before. 
So just imagine the type of world that was open up to them, seeing the pyramids of, in Cairo, right. going to the Valley of the Kings, coming to Dubai, seeing the tallest buildings in the world. So yeah, that, that's the kind of experiences I want people to have. I like it when, pe- when it's people that haven't traveled before. It is exciting. Because just to see their yeah. eyes. Yeah. yeah. That's why I like to take my mother on trips. I love to take her places that I know that she never dreamed that she would be able to go to. And just watch it through mm. her. Since I don't have any kids, she's like my kid. <laughs> watch it through her eyes. Yeah, and I agree with you about just go to a city and get lost. Now, of course, you know, you have to use your your common sense and be careful because if you don't know the community, you don't know the language, you don't know where you're going to stumble upon. But, you know, finding your way is really exciting for me too. And that's one thing I haven't been able to do here in Riyadh. So you asked me if I have my driver's license. Mm. I do. I got my driver's license back in October, but you know, with COVID and everything, I just haven't had a chance to drive yet. And there's this one company that you can rent cars by the hour, by the day, you know, they're not just regular rental cars. Yeah, my friend does that. Uh They went out of business for a little while. They just came back a couple of days ago. They're back in business. So I am going to rent a car and just drive around and get lost in Riyadh because I have been wanting to do that since I got here because that's where you find the little gems. And so that's on my list. Well, my first year in Dubai, was I was lost. <laughs> the whole first year that I lived in Dubai, I was lost. <laughs> like even now, sometimes I, I'll get lost, but at least now I know the main roads, but literally the first year that I was here, it would take me what, what would normally take a person, an average person, 15 minutes to, to get to a certain place. It would probably take me an hour to two hours to get there. So being here has been quite an adventure as well. Yeah. So when I got to Qatar, I actually started driving right away. And it wasn't, I don't think it's, Qatar is small. And so it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to get lost. But the problem there is that everything's under construction because they're getting ready for the World Cup 2022. Mm. And so everything is under construction. So basically on the roads, if you made the wrong turn or missed your turn, the deviation (laughs) was going to take you forever because the next turn you had to go do a turnaround, it would take you forever. So that's where you would get messed up there. If you don't know where you're going and you miss your turn, it was just it would just take you forever. And then you throw the traffic in there as well. <laughs> well, that's definitely that's the average here because there's not as many exits as what you, one would be accustomed to in the U.S. So if you get on any particular road, you can expect to be on it for seven to 10 kilometers before it's going to be an exit or a turnaround. Right. So you make a wrong turn and you know you're going to see a lot of yeah. buildings <laughs> over your time. Yeah. <laughs> so now, Franda, tell us also now, you have so many things actually going on. You also have a live Facebook show. I do. Called Phenomenal Speaks which I had the privilege of being a guest on. Ah, uh, yes. So Phenomenal Speaks. What made you start to have that show? Ah, oh, Phenomenal Speaks. And it is it is live on Facebook. It's also, we're, we're launching again this week, actually. I took a bit of a break. I relocated in Dubai, so I wanted to get settled into my uh, new home. 
and actually feels like a home, which is really nice. Uh, so, but Phenomenal Speaks is just really about kind of going back to the same thing, that empowerment, that personal empowerment. We all have a story. We all have a voice. And what I call, I, I don't call my guests per se on Phenomenal Speaks guests. I call them voices. Every, everyone has a voice and I just want to hear it. And I want those that come on the show to be able to share whatever it is they want to share about themselves. We all have a story. And then some of us have more than one story. And most of us have more than one story, which is why I invite people back. So it's not so much about one area of a person's life, but whatever it is that they want to share. I have a friend that's coming on soon and she's spent her life dealing with multiple sclerosis and she is just so awesome. And then I have, you know, just, just different people that have come on. I don't know if you uh, heard Yvonne, one of the other ladies that came on, she found her son that she gave up for adoption 45 years ago, and she found him and reconnected with him. So that's the, those, those stories are the stories that sometimes even in our community, we don't hear about. So it's nice to just have, to create that, that platform. And it's not all females. There'll be males on there as well. But just to have that platform to ask questions and learn, we learn about each other and we inspire each other. Every time we hear someone's Absolutely. story, there's some, there's some type of inspiration right. there. Very true. Okay. So those start back up, you say next week? I hope to start back next week. Yes, I'll do, I'm going to do a trailer probably this weekend. And then hopefully first guest back will be following weekend, following Saturday, because it's holiday oh, yes. weekend this weekend. Yes. So the next weekend, then the next weekend is Eid here. Yes. Um, so probably I'll do it that, that same, the, okay. the week of the Eid yeah. holiday. I look forward to that phenomenal speaks. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. We're going to, we're going to stream it now to, to Insta. And also we're going to do recordings like this and make it a pod. So it'll be out there everywhere. And we also are going to start using Clubhouse as well. Okay. One-on-one -on -one talks. Oh, okay, great. So now when do you plan to resume your trips? Well, I have two scheduled, but they're groups. Well, I won't say groups because one is, one is three people. It's uh, someone is surprising her sister. And we're trying to figure out how to, how it make, how to make it a surprise without the person seeing where the ticket is going. So we're working, working on that. I've done that before with someone mm -hmm. It is possible to do it, but you know, it's a little difficult now with, with COVID that may make it a little harder. Then for new year, the big trip is going to be for new year, oh. bringing in 2022, hopefully downtown at the Burge. I'm looking at oh. trying to get a place there. If we don't get a place there, we've got some other plans of how to be able to be down there to see the fireworks and so we either do fireworks at Burj Khalifa or Burj mm -hmm. Arab, one of them. Okay. Um, both, are, both are very amazing. Or even out on the Palm, because the Palm has uh, yes. a new fireworks show now. Yeah, because now they've got, you know, the largest fountain in the world, of course. We'll and they did exit on that one. Yeah, for sure. You know, the last time I went to Dubai to see the New Year's Eve fireworks was when they had the fire. Ah. I was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was very interesting and scary because we were right there. We were supposed to be actually at the address that night and we switched to a different location, but right there still across from the address. So we all got evacuated. Yeah. Wow. That was an interesting one, but yeah, keep me posted <laughs> on that one for sure. 
Yeah, for sure. Because uh, that's gonna and that's gonna be actually the first of an of open trips for me as far as male female trips because usually my trips are all female, but this one will be a mixed trip. So I think that's gonna be even more fun oh, yeah. to have male and female as well. So it should be really nice. It should really be nice. Okay. So do you have any last tips that you have for the audience? You know, my my biggest tip, I tell my students, even in coaching, I tell my clients when I'm coaching them, I tell my students when I'm training them. And, and it's such a cliche line. But really, just trust your journey. Trust your journey. I call it journey with friend and not just because of travel, but because of the journey. Right. Just trusting that journey. Trust your journey. And, and knowing knowing that it may not always be what we wanted to be or look like what we wanted to look like, but every lesson, every single lesson, every single thing is learning and start your day with a purpose. Ah, Start your day with a purpose. Start your day with a purpose. I start my day every morning, every single morning before I step out of the bed, I ask myself, what is your purpose today? Mm. What is your purpose today? Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So now, Franda, if the listeners would like to reach out to you, how can they reach you? Oh, wonderful. Well, I have several email addresses, as you know. The main one is Franda at journeywithfranda.com. That's probably the easiest one. I'm also on Facebook with Journey with Franda, Instagram, Journey with Franda. It's all Journey with Franda. Whatever capacity, whether it's coaching or travel or just want to talk on Phenomenal Speaks, just Journey with Franda. Journey with Franda. So email Franda, Journey with Franda. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Franda, for sharing and spending some time with me. And I look forward to seeing you and talking to you again soon. I look forward to that too. And thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Flipping the Script. If you like what you have heard, please make sure to subscribe to get notified of future episodes. Also, I would appreciate it if you would write a review and share with your friends. And I want to hear from you. Feel free to drop me a line and let me know what you thought about this week's episode or to suggest any future topics that you would like for me to explore. Or you can just stop by and say hello. You can reach me at flippingthescript.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Flippin' the Script. Want to continue the discussion? I also have a private group for ladies only on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. Bye for now. We flip the script so you find your way to help you embrace any trials you face. We flip the script, conquer every day.